There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. This week's guest is Elisabeth Gunnarsdottir, head coach for Kristianstads DFF in Damansvenskan. She has been in charge of the Swedish club for 15 years And in June 2010, she was the only female coach in the league. Before coming to Sweden, Gunnar Stottir had won the Icelandic league title with Valur four times in five years. In this episode, she talks about what makes Kristianstad a team that can be seen as a competitor for this season's Swedish league title. Why it is important to put rivalry aside when it comes to the Champions League and why she has stayed in the Damalsvenskan all these years. You are listening to their pitch, and this is the Elisabeth Beta Gunnarsdottir episode. Welcome to the podcast, Elisabeth Gunnarsdotter. How are you doing today? I'm doing really good. I'm going to ask you to pronounce your name because I probably gave it a very Swedish pronunciation. So, Elisabeth Gunnarsdotter. Elisabeth Gunnarsdotter. Right. I try to. Sometimes I get them right. When it's Danish and German, it doesn't really work out. But otherwise, I think I'm doing all right. Yeah, it sounded pretty good. Thank you. We, we have a quote from somebody who knows you very well. And I'm going to read it to you and then you're going to have to guess who it is. Beata is a lovely person and a coach that is very warm-hearted, engaged and funny to work with in many different ways. She's one of the best coaches I've seen up close, working with motivating the players and her staff management. She has, she has an extraordinary talent and ability to convey her message. Beata is very inspiring to work with because of her strong knowledge and her experiences, from which I learn every day. At the same time, it's essential to have fun and joke around while at work. This is something Beata is very good at, joking when you can and working hard and being ambitious when you have to. Seriously, Beata, it's an honor to go to work with you every day. Who do you think that is? Daniel Anigold. That is correct. Why? Does he say seriously a lot? Is that... (laughs) No, it's me saying seriously a lot. And... I didn't realize till I started working with Daniel that I was always saying seriously. And uh, and I recently also uh, heard that people were joking about it without me knowing. So I can thank him for letting me know. And I, in every speech I have in the locker room, I think twice now before saying seriously. So you used to say seriously, let's say 10 times. Now you say it eight, nine, maybe. Yeah, I'd say maybe three, four. <laughs> I think it comes from Swedish because you say seriöst in Swe- in Swedish and uh, then you just take it directly over to English because we speak a lot a lot of English in the locker room so it becomes uh, seriously and they say that the way I say it is funny. Uh, speaking of uh, of your locker room you've uh, 
you've added some players and some players have left. What, what kind of difference is is it in the locker room compared to, to last season? And what's the vibe? I don't see a lot of differences compared to last year. I, I feel like it's more or less the same locker room. I think our locker room is uh, a big a, a big part of our identity and I think the culture in the locker room has been the same for many years. So I think when new players come in, they easily adjust and become a part of that uh, locker room culture. And how? what would you say about, you know, the players that you guys have recruited for, for this season and how important they're going to be as well as keeping players like Evelyn Vian? I think we are, have become better on like each position, but I think we had some problems uh, figuring out a good enough balance in the team last year. We tried a lot of players as the holding midfielder, for example. And so I felt like the mid-season last year that we really needed to find that real six. We actually thought that we uh, managed to sign Carly Wickenheiser already before 2022. But uh, then she signed for Brew. And this was when we lost Sumanen. So we haven't really had that clear six since Sumanen left. So I felt like the, we really needed that to get a good balance defensively and and also in, in terms of uh, the playmaking role. And, and Carly is just growing into that role really, really well. And then uh, I was a bit worried about Carly, uh, no, about uh, Gabby Carl leaving. Uh, she was one of our best as players last year and I felt like that gap would be difficult to fill and um, we searched among many players uh, we found an interesting player in Jordan Brewster and uh, not knowing what a player can come with from college I know it's difficult but like the instinct told me that this would be great and I feel like we're on the right path with her and then Lean came from PTO she just did she played a great season with PTO last year, has the experience from the league, is doing great. It would have been one of our best players this preseason. Then we signed Maya Wangerheim, a young talent, which I think is extremely important that you have a that you have a, a clear shadow teams for your team. One shadow team that maybe has to do with international players and experienced players, and then one shadow team with young players. So that's how we are working. And and Maya was definitely a, a a great hit for us when it comes to the young shadow team. So she needs some time and then she will grow into a good role. Thus, Let's talk about Jordan Brewster for a second, because you and me, we've talked before about, you know, Cliff Constant and where I would see you guys end up. I've, I've put you guys in first place after this season. I think Jordan Brewster is going to be one of those players that's really going to step up and be, you know, get her big breakthrough only her first year. H- how is it to to work with with a player that early in, in their career and you know be part of their development? I think it's great. I think it's great when you get them and you get to like shape them a little bit extra because he hasn't been in a professional environment. He's coming from college and college kids are a little bit wild in many terms and and they don't really know how it is to live like a professional. And uh, you have you have extra room to improve a player like that. And if you get a good connection with the player and uh, early, I think your chances of uh, developing a good player is good are good. But um, there is always like there are challenges when it comes to this because you don't have that much time. Like the preseason starts and you 
you uh, you go straight into training games and then you have these cup games and you know that a player like Jordan will make a lot of mistakes. And I, I actually like mistakes because they give you uh, great ways of Im- improvement and talking about mistakes as a good thing can help a player like Jordan. And you can see her just in Kalmar, the first round now, I, I think she hit like seven passes into the stands. And for me, that's fine because she's trying to play with a high risk. She has uh, long passes that are crazy. Like if she can develop this and, and find the right, right way of using it in our team, then she's going to be amazing uh, somewhere on the way in the season. How how do you pick a young player up like like Brewster, for example, in the in the semifinal of of the cup? She she missed a penalty. Obviously, that was part of you guys. Not afterwards, you guys weren't able to capitalize and score your goals. But how is it to to pick pick a player up after you know missing a penalty, especially when they're young and new? Yeah, that's the thing. Like Jordan is a player you don't have to pick up that much. She just uh, I think she's a great penalty shooter. I've seen that uh, from her time in college, and. Um, you felt that directly going into the locker room 30 seconds after she missed that penalty that, that she was still in the game and she was focused. And of course, it's difficult no matter who you are, but I feel like she is a player that needs a big role directly if she's going to grow into a great player. So why wait? Like people have asked me, why did she take that penalty? Like she's a good shooter. Why wait? I mean, it's a cup game. It's a preseason. She missed the penalty. She will definitely take another penalty. And what you guys recently went into Domasvenska and the season started. You guys won your first game. Well, what do you what do you see in front of you? If you can picture the the end um, the end round, what do you see in front of you? I see in front of me a, a in intensive weeks in the end of the season where many teams are fighting for something big and uh, important. I think in both ends of the league, it's going to be important games. And uh, I think that's the beauty of Damansvenskan is that you can be playing important games in the end of the season about a title or uh, a Champions League spot against teams that are fighting for their lives. And yeah, it's going to be difficult in the end, but I I really see us uh, seeing something bright in the end of the season and fighting for something big. And, you know, Damansvenskan, you've been a coach in Damansvenskan for a long time. And people, I think, some people would ask question why why are you staying in Damaskan for so long well it's a it's a pretty simple question to answer because I come from iceland i I was a coach there for many years uh, It's important for me to to tell you also that I haven't done anything else basically in my in my grown up life I've been a coach since I was sixteen and I've tried a lot of things in Iceland I started coaching as a 25 year old in the in the top league I got fired uh, have been coaching youth teams for many years in Iceland been a national team coach for U21 national team assistant coach for the A national team then uh, winning championships in Iceland playing uh, quarterfinals in the Champions League with my Icelandic team and I think I was uh, maybe a little bit too successful in my first years as a coach and it it, it went really fast and I, I could pick great jobs early in my career but to be honest I knew that I wasn't ready I knew that I wasn't good enough and coming from Iceland, like coming from the culture where physicality and mentality is everything you believe that that can beat tactics 
And uh, moving to Sweden was a, a active decision coming from me knowing that I was not good enough tactically. And I wanted to come to Sweden because of the football culture in Sweden where you it's just completely different to Iceland. Here you believe that tactics can beat mentality and physicality. And in Iceland, you believe that the other stuff can beat uh, tactics. And I think neither of the ideas are wrong. I think if you can combine these two ideas uh, and shape it into a football philosophy and an identity of a team, I I think you can figure out a great mix, maybe the perfect mix. And coming here was really tough for me in the beginning. The first years were a lot of losing, a lot of understanding that you're not tactically good enough, a lot of understanding that you don't understand other cultures than Icelandic culture. And uh, I think I learned on the way that you need to be ready to go into a new culture than I would be choosing to go maybe to a uh, a third culture, a third country, a third league. And I, to be honest, have not seen till like maybe three years ago that there are leagues out there that are better than the Swedish league. Here you are challenged every week. You are competing every week. You're competing against great coaches. You're competing against great teams. And I don't think I felt like I was ready to do something else uh, till like two, three years ago. Would you say that when the time is right, you would be ready to try a new adventure. For sure. I've, I've thought about this a lot. And I've obviously spoken to teams somewhere else than in Sweden and some national teams. And it's just, there, there are a lot of like, there are a lot of questions that come into your head. Like you're being offered to be assistant coach in a huge team uh, together with a great coach and you have to make a decision here like is this something for me can I learn something from being a head coach no from being an assistant coach to a great head coach somewhere and I actually chose the you can choose the the seeing listening and learning path to develop as a coach or you can choose the trying testing believing hard work path I chose that path. I mean, there are a lot of people that choose the other path. We can like, we can develop, we can, we can compare with men's football where you, where you, where you have a coach like Guardiola who definitely chose the path that I am on. That is like testing, trying, developing your ideas, doing a lot of mistakes and uh, being patient and all that. Then you have Arteta, for example, in Arsenal that did vice versa, uh, did a lot of listening, seeing, learning from Guardiola. And now they're just competing and seem to be as good. But um, I, I've i talked to teams the last two or three years and thought about doing something else, but I, I still feel like I'm, I'm on a path with uh, Krikansta where we are growing as a team and we can become even better. And um, that's why I haven't left. But I know that the time will come where I leave. And I, I wanted to talk to you as well about, you know, because you did mention that you've been coaching since you were 16 years old. How come you, you started, you know, going into that that career path? I just have had great passion for football my entire life. I I think, uh, but yeah, I think, I think the fire inside me being uh, disliking my coaches and being bitter that I wasn't taught what 
I saw that I could have been taught. I didn't have the conversations with my coaches that I felt like they could have had with me. I wasn't a star. Like I wasn't a profile that was starting every game, playing the national team games. And yeah, um, I was bitter. And I wanted to show the entire world that somebody else could, could do this better. And that's basically how it started. And you, after, you know, Korean Iceland, you ended up in Dalmatinsk. How would you say the league has developed over time? It has developed a lot. Uh, many people like to speak about Dalmatinsk as uh, a weaker league now compared to like 15 years ago. But I don't agree. I think it's just different. I think Dalmatinsk in 2009, when I came here, was was uh, one of the most uh, known leagues in the world. The the biggest stars came to Sweden to play, but mainly in three teams or two teams. It's not like they were in every team. It's not like when I took over uh, Krikansta and tried to get some profiles from the world to my team, they didn't want to listen to me. So they were going to the top team. So the top teams were so much better than the other teams. So uh, you could see... Uh, numbers in the league where teams were every week losing 7-0, 8-1. Uh, and the league has developed into a great way, my my opinion. Um, the biggest profiles are not here anymore. But I think the, the young players have gotten more chances in the league and it's more even uh, level on the players. So teams are... Already even, and I mean, you can just see that every week, competitive games, you can never uh, like count on winning anybody by five goals. Never. Yeah. W- would you say that Dalmatinskan kind of has become a league, perhaps, where, you know, where, where great talents become big players? Definitely. And I think if you're in the age of maybe 18 to 23, somewhere out there, no matter where in the world, you should definitely choose to come to a league like Damansvenskan because here you develop your your tactical skills a lot. Every player that comes here, no matter if they're from the States, from Canada, from whatever, this is what they say. Like they develop the tactical skills and awareness. Uh, they learn to sit on uh, meetings where you analyze opponents in your own team more than anywhere else. And uh so I think it's great. And I think uh, many eyes are on Damalsvenskan looking for players to take the next step into, for example, England, France, Germany, uh, Spain, Italy, and the States. Would you say now with everything's go- everything that's going on in the league that it could be harder to recruit players to, to the league knowing that there's not a collective bargaining agreement in place and literally no safety net for players in that sense? No, I don't think so. I don't, I feel like the foreign players are not as focused on that question as the Swedish players for some reasons. Don't know really why, but uh, I don't think the, I don't believe that the clubs are uh, treating the players bad, no, even if that agreement is not signed and written. So um, I feel like in, like in our team, even if this agreement isn't on the table and signed, we still treat our players well and try to do the best for them to have a safe and good environment and being able to to train and play and and um, even if they get injured and so on, 
we we treat them well. How how you know economically? How does does this affect your club at all? If a player would get injured, let's say some of them get injured at the same time, would that affect you guys negatively as a club economically? Knowing that there's no collective bargaining agreement to you know cover up with insurance and stuff like that, or what would you say? No, I don't think so. I don't think so. I think uh, it's it's more difficult if we go into a situation where a player is has another job. Because maybe clubs like us and the smaller clubs that don't have 100% professional players in each spot, so that they are working. And uh, if you get injured, then you have to go on sick leave and then in two different jobs. That's where it gets complicated. And there are a lot of stuff like that that we need to be looking into and seeing how we can how how we can take care of these questions because I don't think the clubs, all the clubs are in the same situation when it comes to this. Yeah. Do do you think the, sorry, last question for my part. Do you think the players in the league are aware of what they're asking for within this collective bargaining agreement? If you get my question. I think it's actually a little bit weird that you can be speaking to players that have no idea what it is about. You can be speaking to board members that have no idea what it is about. So somewhere I feel like we need to have a little bit better uh, knowledge about what the conflict is about. So I think uh, there are many players that that really know what this is about. And I think it's extremely important that we get to the table and find an agreement that because the players need that safety and and, and feeling secure when it comes to a lot of small stuff around this. But uh, the knowledge is not really there. Who who is to you know, kind of enlighten everyone? Who who's is it the who who is to teach everyone why they're doing this? Would you say there's responsibility? Yeah, that's a good yeah. But I think there is a representative in each team, and I think they worked hard on having uh, many different meetings with the player groups and. I mean, like just a few weeks ago, I don't think there were many players in the league, if you would look at percentages, that were paying to be a member in the the player union in Sweden. I I, I don't know the numbers. My, my feeling tells me that there were not that many. And I think I've seen that they are working hard on informing and creating a knowledge around this. Um, among all the players, and I think they are getting uh, m- more members. So maybe this conflict will have a good effect somewhere in the end when everybody has found an agreement. I did say that was going to be my last question, but I'm going to go go ahead with one more question. Is uh, is Kjokansta a top contender for the gold this season? Oh, definitely. Not a doubt. With that being said, Mia, you go ahead and take it away. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. was a good good way to to start this section. I usually 
tell, ask uh, our guest in this part to describe themselves. So if you were about to describe yourself as a coach, how would you do it? Uh, I think I'm uh, ambitious, um, have a winning mentality that I believe that I can help my players develop and uh, especially when building teams. I think I'm good at leading teams. Uh, I'm maybe sometimes a bit too stubborn trying to work on that and uh, have not always been good at like uh, involving people in like yeah, being a part of decision making and stuff like that. I, I'm working hard on becoming better around that area, but um, I think I'm pretty clear with what I want, uh, the way that we play football and what we want out of our environment, building a culture around the team. And um, I'm not always on time in everything we do and get criticized <laughs> uh, a lot for that. But every person needs to have something that is not good. And that has been tough uh, living in Sweden, not always being on time. But um Yeah. That's pretty much me at work. What did you take with you uh, going from Iceland uh, to Sweden to coach? Well, I took with me uh, the idea of that hard work uh, pays off. Uh, I worked really hard to get where I am. Um, It's not easy when you're not a big profile when being a player. Because um, you need to build your brand and you need to do that successfully over time. Um, and I believe in hard workers. I believe in in not just players, but also staff members that put in a lot of work and are, uh, are ready to or willing to, to give a lot to the other people that you're working with. Uh, the mentality of believing that you can beat anybody is something that I definitely took with me from Iceland. Uh, in Iceland, you always believe you can beat anybody. And uh, I think that will never change. So two good ingredients to take with you. And in the Damansvenskan, in your perspective, what do you think a coach needs to be good uh, and to succeed in our league in Sweden? I think you need to be open-minded and... Um, see the I think you need to have some kind of a split vision about how the the culture is in Sweden and uh, relate everything you do to what Sweden is building up football wise so you cannot just build your own environment so let's say that a foreign coach comes to Sweden you cannot just come into this league and and coach the team based on everything you believe in I, I think you need to Uh, cooperate with the association you are building Swedish football at the same time that you're building your own club and you're and trying to be successful with your team you're building Swedish talent within the Swedish system Uh, even if you bring in your personality and and your philosophy both when it comes to leadership and football but um, I think this is extremely important for Swedish coaches that that come in and start working in the league I think it's it's important to understand the, the the cooperation that is between the clubs as well. We help each other a lot. I 
uh, did not experience this in Iceland. It surprised me a lot how much the clubs can cooperate when it comes to different topics, when it comes to the football itself as well. Like some coaches are really good at uh, keeping contact, sharing games. I mean, there's a strategy behind that, of course, when you share a game and why you share a game. But it's also like we need to be working hard to keep these three Champions League spots. We need to stay at the top six in Europe to be able to keep that spot. And then you have to understand the importance of cooperating when it comes to uh, deciding game days, when it comes to like helping the teams that are in the Champions League. Uh, so I think hate and and like uh, working against these teams is, is the least thing you can be doing. Because for me, watching now Linköping, Rosengård and Hacking playing Champions League, I hope they're going to win every single game they play because we get points for every point they get, which makes it uh, more uh, possible for, for our team to go far in the Champions League in the future. You played uh, the qualification round in the Champions League last season. Um, if if you could give them, let's say Linköping, an advice on how to have success uh, because you didn't quite made it, uh, what would that be? Just to see themselves as big as these teams that you're playing, because I felt like that was the most difficult thing for us to do, both me and the team, is to motivate ourselves and in believing that we can beat uh, Frankfurt, Ajax and Fortuna Jöring, uh, as well as beating teams in Damersvenskan. And we were just 10 minutes away from beating Ajax. We we play extremely well, uh, big parts of the game. And I don't believe that, uh, I don't, I think we need that experience. And, and when it comes to the mentality of these games, it's, it's different games. You're playing on a bigger stage. You have more eyes on you. You have more voices about you. And, uh, the, the pressure is more. So, I think it's just important to go in there and, and enjoy just like you're doing in the league and believe that your football, because I think this, the football in the Swedish league is good enough to beat many, many teams in the European football. Where do you find uh, inspiration? Well, I find inspiration in different ways, but um, one of my biggest inspirations are uh, I've taken from uh, Walt Disney. I think Walt Disney is uh, just the story of life. It's the best thing ever happened. Like um, you can you read books where uh, people writing about and talking to Walt Disney about how he created this monster business of Disney World. It's just it all started with a mouse, and this mouse become became really really big. I think they are. Like, it's crazy today, like all the billion dollars that this company is uh, worth. And um, I believe when building a team and uh, getting into uh, the football business as a coach, you need to be thinking in the same way. Like you come in as a mouse and you can grow up to, I don't know what, with belief, dreaming, uh, creating visions. And uh, working like really, really uh, systematically on a path towards something, 
And uh, so I've I've been really inspired by the Walt Disney story. At the same time, there are coaches that I, I love looking at tactically, like uh, Nagelsmann in Germany. I think it's been great to follow his tactics through Hoffenheim and all the way up to Bayern München. Even if he got, he got fired now, it's just a great way of playing football. Same thing in, in England, I think, leadership-wise, seeing what Emma Hayes has been doing in Chelsea. It was amazing to see the documentary on uh, YouTube or Das. Yeah, Wasn't that's Das. Yeah. Yeah. Because, uh, you don't have a lot of stuff like this within the women's football. I think it was great to get to see a little bit behind the scenes there. Um, yeah. There are a lot of inspirations. I find a lot of inspiration within my own group. The way that players can believe in going from the mouse to something big and um, experiencing that every day. And before we go into how you work at Krihansta, what advice would you give young girls that dream about coaching? Because let, let's face it, there aren't that many female coaches uh, at the biggest stages at the moment we need to to make you guys more i agree i think it's just uh i think it's so important to develop your mentality when it comes to uh being a coach and becoming a coach is that i like to speak about the five second rule is that you're sitting on the sofa at home for example and you get an idea that oh i want to i really want to coach on a big stage or i want to go to For example, you I want to work in Rosengort. So you have five seconds to do something about it or doubts come in again. And if you do nothing about it, and I think it's a good rule to just write it on a paper or uh, uh, call somebody and tell the person about it because then it becomes uh, a reality. And uh, this is where we go back to Disney. This is what Disney is all about. It's like you get an idea and uh, it becomes a, a dream and you make a vision and uh, you make a plan how you're going to get there. And I just really think you need to do something about what you are thinking. I think there are so many people and I know that there are many girls that are uh, wondering about this being becoming a coach and many that have called me and had a, a conversation with me about how they want to create an opportunity and find opportunities, but they don't do enough about it. And uh, I wouldn't be a coach in Sweden if I wouldn't have used my five-second rule of just sitting in the sofa, seeing that Danfootball.com was writing about Kriganstad looking for a coach. I just took up the computer. I wrote an email without knowing what I was doing. They answered me. We booked the meeting. And these five seconds became 15 years. Yeah, that's very that that's a good way of looking at it. Just just do it. Um. You can always back and say no, like just try, like uh, throw out the question and and try to get there. Like you can always back away from this decision is not a lifetime decision. You can try this. If it doesn't work for you or it isn't nothing, is nothing for you, you can always go to something else. You cannot do vice versa. You're not going to call 15 years later and ask for that job that Kriganstad was offering 15 years ago. This is going to sound like a stupid question now, but I I bet you haven't regretted uh, to move to Sweden and and do this. Not a single minute. No, 
I I have loved my job through these 15 years. I've met incredible people. I've worked with in, in amazing players, skillful, uh, great people. Most of the people have involved in conflicts, great uh, growth of both people and players. And, and this is what it's all about. Like It's not about just winning trophies and fighting for the trophies. It's about the, the growth. And um and I believe in sustainable growth, so fifteen years is is good sustainability. Yeah. Let's talk a little bit about the setup around Pirjuanstas elite team. Because I met you in two thousand and twenty and then you said something about the fact that you believed around any team, even if it were was a men's team or a women's team, that you needed both men and women to manage the team. I don't know if you remember telling me that, but like the fact that is that there are many men uh, in management uh, around the team, but you spoke a lot about the fact that you, you thought that you need both. Uh, you talked about um, in the way how you communicate, how you understand each other uh, gender wise and, and, Stuff like that. So what is the setup around your team today? If we were to tell uh, people that don't know anything about Krihansta. Yes, I like to see this. If I was drawing a picture now, I like to see it as a sun. And the sun itself is the player. And then you have all these lines out from the sun, obviously. And, and that's us. So that's the head coach. That's me. I have an assistant coach, Alexander Friedlund. I have another assistant coach, Daniel Angegort. So there's two guys. Then we have a fitness coach who's a girl. We have a kit manager who's a girl. We have a goalkeeper coach that is a, um, a man. And then we have a team doctor who is a woman. We uh, have uh, two physios working with the team. One is a woman and the other one is a guy. Uh, and then we have a communicator who is with us almost every day. Filming, photographing, just, yeah, spreading the word of what we're doing. And uh, that's a guy. So you can see that it's it's almost like a 50-50. We're actually bringing in another one now that is going to work more with youth uh, or the younger players coming in and uh, our shadow teams and, and also working individually with the players. And that's a girl. So I think it's unique in Sweden. I believe it's unique in Sweden how many we are. We uh, we have uh, decided to put more money into the setup around the team because getting back to the sun, I, we are here for the players. The player is not here for us. We are every single day here for the players and having only men or only women. I don't I don't believe in that. I think we have. It's just how it is. We have different humors. We have different different personalities. We have different experiences, and um, I think the mix that we have today is great. And um, uh, I think the players really appreciate having that mix as well. And you, you've been in the club for many years. We've already talked about that. So I would, this would not be a wild guess that you have been working with game identity and and your own philosophy. But what would you say? To be a player in your club, what what is significant f- 
for a Crejuansta player today? Uh, every player in our team needs to understand our identity. This is one of the first things we show the players when they come in. We are always going to be focusing on being a team, working as a collective. And uh, players need to feel like they're a part of something larger than themselves. We are constantly working on making each other better and never forgetting that. I will never... Uh, I will never think it's okay that a player goes screaming at another player um, uh, trying to like put the blame on somebody else. It's, it is a team. We will win as a team and we will lose as a team. So I think the team spirit is something that is remarkable in our team. And I think anybody that watches our team can see that. We play with a, a huge heart in each person every time we play together. We try to create a winning mentality among everybody. It's not easy because not everybody has this winning mentality uh, burning inside of them. But I think that's a, a thing that you can develop. Um, day in and day out, like week in and week out, we are talking about winning. And you can win in so many different ways. You can be winning in training. You can be winning every week and then you can win trophies. And uh, we are never never give up like our mindset is that we never believe we're losing a game no matter if we are losing 3-0 and we are not losing that game and uh, we we talk about this a lot taking our best work and make it better all the time and um, and we talk a lot about lifestyle like what you can what you can optimize in your lifestyle to maximize your performances because that is all help you you can get from the individuals to reach your goals. And uh, we talk a lot about conflicts. I think I can, and I'm really proud to be able to do this, I can almost promise a player when I'm talking to a player about coming to our club, I can never promise a playing time. I can I not promise a national team spot, you know what I mean? But I can promise the player that we are a pretty drama-free team uh, we don't have small teams within the team. We don't have conflicts going on. There are, of course, minor conflicts coming up. But we talk about this a lot, that if we have conflicts and if people are talking shit about each other, I will bring it up in front of the team uh, each and every time it happens. So I think we treat each other with love and we take care of each other and we make sure that we don't have this shit going on. So... And and then we can go into the identity of how we want to play because I think all these things that I mentioned before are more important than how we're playing. I still believe that team, uh, like the the team spirit and the the wellness of the team uh, is always uh, coming before the way that you play. You can have the best tactics in the world and the best player in each position. But if you don't get that team spirit going on, you have problems with the tactics. But you don't go anywhere towards trophies, only with team spirit and, and love and taking care of each other and, and not having dramas. So um, there has a lot to do with uh, football identity as well. And uh, we've spoken a lot about the last three years about uh, putting in a higher risk in our game because... We've, we've played many years with a pretty low risk that has to do with the 
the squad of players that we have had compared to the opponents. But I feel like the last three years we have been able to to build up with a higher risk, uh, focusing a lot on, on positioning and uh, what we want to do with the ball and own the ball more. We've spoken a lot about um, statistics, like statistics don't lie. Nobody has won this league without having over 600 passes a game. Like, uh, Pichu is the only example of uh, statistics 2018, but you're not going to get these examples often. So we've spoken a lot about this, owning the ball and um, hard-running attacking lines. Uh, signing in players for, for this has been crucial for me. Uh, signing in players that can really provide hard-running attacking lines putting opponents under pressure, both on own half, and um, uh, having like individual demands in each position on the field. Like you cannot just be a hard worker and then you're silent. Like um, uh, this is important. Quick transitional play is something that uh, I think is a clear identity in in uh, KDFF. We uh, we want to work on immediate counter pressure. I think we're really good on we we are good in all transitional moments. And um when it comes to defending, we we want to be able to operate conf- confidently and calm but structured, like clear intervals of defensive pressure. Like when when are we uh, just sitting and waiting for them to come. Like when are we staying compact and a little bit less aggressive? And when do we find moments and triggers to go in and and pressure aggressively? We work a lot on uh, analyzing the opponents, and uh, we change the defensive details between games a lot. But we have really clear principles for each position that that doesn't change that much between games. And then uh, set pieces is something that is a big part of our identity. We know that we are really good on set pieces when it comes to defending set pieces and attacking on set pieces. We can hurt anybody there. Yeah, so that was the short version of identity. What position do you think is the most underrated in the Dalmanslandskan? Yeah, I think I think uh, fullbacks and wingbacks for sure. And uh, yeah, I think many teams are looking for good players in these positions. And uh, yeah, I would say that. Then, this is my last question. What do you think that Swedish women's football need to get better at when it comes to recruitment? And and what are we already good at in Sweden? Well, I think we are uh, tactically good. We are really clear with what we want. Uh, it may be a little bit uh, similar. Like maybe too many people are the same, if you know what I mean. So I go, you go through the Swedish uh, education process and we learn the same football and it becomes a little bit the same, I think. But... I think it's changing again. It's changing into more creative around the Swedish way. And um, I think three or four years ago, almost everybody was playing the same football. Everybody was talking about pockets with two players and getting the ball in there and doing like in the same way. But even if that's what football is about, but 
when it comes to recruitments, I think we need to work more with shadow teams. I think it's extremely important to work with uh, shadow teams early in the process, like through the season, changing the shadow team, scouting players through both games you play, the games you watch, and maybe teams need to uh, like create a position for a scout. I don't think many clubs in Damalsvens can have a scout. And um, I think it would be good to have a head scout together with the sporting director and the head coach or the coaching staff, but a scout that really goes around and looks for talents, not only in Sweden, also in the uh, countries around us. I mean, I think this is going to be, it could be a game changer for teams in the future. We are, we've been building a little bit of a system around this. I worked with the shadow team now for, yeah, I don't know, three, four years systematically. And um, you need to be, like, if you get injuries and uh, and you need to, or in the end of a season where everybody's searching for a player in the same position and you have a good shadow team and you have had contact with, uh, with the agents or maybe even the players themselves through the season, then I think it's easier to end up signing what you really want. With that being said, Let's go to the part three section of this podcast where we have questions from listeners. It could be that you feel that you have already answered many of the questions that the listeners have uh, been, been sending in, but we'll do, we'll do it anyway to see. Ori Raffen Sigurdarsson. Sigurdarsson, can Sorry, my Icelandic's not on point. He has two questions for Beta. How much Swedish kroner have you spent on fake skondi in your lifetime? And what is fake skondi? Okay, let's uh, pronounce it right. It's fuck skondi. And it's uh, a Danish soda. And uh, I believe I'm top three in the world fans of Faxi So I've spent a lot of money on Faxi for sure. The coaching room is full of Faxi So we always have a full refrigerator with Faxi And I think I've managed to, to make almost everybody around me uh, liking Faxi So It's unbelievable that they're not sponsoring me. To be what, what does it taste like? Oh, I mean, they people say it tastes like Seven Up, but I I think it tastes like something completely different. And I always drink the zero calories, and uh, so th- this is the main reason why I book uh, the first training games always in Denmark. It's to be able to <laughs> fill the refrigerator because you can't buy Faxikondi in Sweden. And I started saying this as a joke, but I I think somewhere deep inside of me, I I have been doing this. So we played our first training game away against Kurge in the beginning of February and we filled the refrigerator with Faxikondi. You Do you have like a, fr- a refrigerator only for Faxikondi? Yeah, mainly, yeah. I can send you a picture one day. Yes. And if you have followed our, our Instagram, then you have seen these pictures. Really? That's funny. I like that. Um, he also asks, where would you rank the Swedish top league amongst other top leagues in Europe? I think that Sweden and and um, 
NWSL are unique. I think you can rate the most competitive leagues. And then I rate Damalsvenskan and NWSL as the best leagues. Then you can rate leagues on the best teams in the leagues. No, the best teams compared with other teams in different leagues. And then Damalsvenskan is not among the top there. So you can you can do different rates, but I would say that uh, um, seen from a competitive view, we are definitely one of the best leagues. And Blair Newman wants to know this. Uh, you have been successful over a long period of time. Uh, what are the biggest challenges when rebuilding a new team ahead of a new season? Yes, the, I think the challenges are uh, the style of football you want to play, um, that you don't build your football philosophy around uh, individual. I think it's extremely important to build your football philosophy uh, based on a group of people, and uh, you can that you can be without three or four players that are injured or or will leave because they're sold or so on. So I think that is a, a huge challenge. Um and I think if you stay at the same time, like same place that, that I've done for so many years, I think this is easier. I think it's I believe it's difficult going between teams and just staying for one and two or three years. And then you are rebuilding Uh, philosophy and teams all the time. I don't think that would suit me that well, but um, yeah. And scouting, right. Like, to be able to keep similar uh, locker room culture, team spirit, you need to you need to scout and sign based on what you are doing and what you are believing in. It's really easy to to sign in one wrong player that doesn't fit into that culture and into that locker room and everything falls apart. It's challenging. Sishat wants to know, what do you think about coaching in the WSL? Uh, the WSL is a very interesting league. I mean, I've been inspired by English football through many years, uh, following Manchester United on the men's side a lot and loving the work that Ferguson was doing with uh, Manchester United. So my eyes have been on England for a long time, but I don't think the league was developed enough to like leave this competitive and, and tactical league that Sweden has been. But if you look at what's been going on the last two years, I feel like England is ready for me soon, so you never know. <laughs> so it's extremely interesting, of course, for any coach to look into England at the moment. Was um, you did talk earlier, and I'm going to ask about you know clubs show, showing interest in you a couple of years ago. Was was there any clubs in England at that point? Uh, there have been clubs in England the last two years. Yes. What has been the biggest changes in your job since you started 15 years ago and now? Pressure, for sure. I feel like when coming in here in 2009, nobody cared. Like we lost the first 10 games uh, and I didn't feel pressured. Like 
Losing 10 games in a row in Damalsvenskan now is a pressuring position, for sure. Uh, I feel like the, the media has shown more and more interest, and uh, you have more eyes on you. You have more opinions on what you're doing. That's challenging. That's something that you need to decide as a coach if you want to be involved in. Like, if you want a bigger stage, you need to be... Uh, ready for all this pressure that comes with a bigger stage. There are consequences of being good uh, and being among the, the best ones. So I feel like that's the biggest, biggest difference. With that being said, I think we're going to move on to the end section, which is the this or that rapid fire. Um, five questions you get to choose one or the other, not both of them. I will kick it off with Kristianstad or Reykjavik. Kristianstad. On a day off, would you rather watch football on TV or Netflix and chill? Football. With some faxikondi on the side. Of course. Champions League title or league title? League title at the moment. Developing own talent or recruiting young talents? Developing uh, own talent, for sure. Home shirt or away shirt? Home shirt. With that being said, Beta, thank you so much for being a part of this podcast. That is a wrap. Hope you enjoyed it. Thank you. I enjoyed it, for sure. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. 
Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm. 